Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. We're talking about as you have spoken a couple of weeks ago as we left the service, the Lord spoke to my heart, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. And boy, that just resonated within my soul as I heard those words over and over. As you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Which is why I began this little bit of a study on that particular subject. And so if you weren't here last week, this is just a quick review. We're going to throw up these points that we made last week to kind of get you caught up. First of all, God created the world that we live in by the power of spoken the spoken word. He spoke words, he gave commands, and everything came into being, including he made a decree and established the waters, the boundary for the waters that they will not pass over. And then we saw that God's word does not return to him void, and wherever he sends it, that's what it accomplishes. If he sends it to bless, it'll bless, to curse, to curse, to judge, to judge, etc., etc. Wherever he sends it, it doesn't return void. Number three, our words produce death and life. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the what? The tongue. And they that love it will eat the fruit. In other words, we're going to eat the fruit of our words. We will eat the fruit of our words. And this next one really blessed my soul. God cheers when our lips speak right things. Proverbs 23, verses 15 and 16. One translation says that He cheers when our lips speaks right things. Can you imagine God cheering for you when all of a sudden you go from saying, I just can't, I don't know what I'm going to do, I'm so confused, to He is the way, He is the truth, He is the life. I know I can do all things through Christ. He gets up and cheers for us when we start speaking right things. And then number five, He's listening to our words. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 2, He says, you're on earth, God's in heaven, let your words be few, because He hears the words that we speak. And then, as we continue on, number six, we get, we get what God hears us say. And we, that's our main text, Numbers 14, 28. We'll see that in just a moment. He said, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. As you have spoken in my ears. Number seven, the words we speak are a vital component to healing. For this saying, the devil is gone out of your daughter. Speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. The words I speak, they are spirit, they are life. Life to you and health to all your flesh. Our words determine our destiny. The ten that said they couldn't get in, along with the others that followed them from 20 years, age 20 and up, did not get into the promised land. Their destiny was where? In the land of just enough. Did you hear that? The land of what? just enough. In Egypt, they had not enough. In the wilderness, they had just enough. Just enough. They had to collect enough, just enough to get by, remember? But the promised land was more than enough. And they didn't get to the land of promise, which was more than enough, so they had to settle for just enough, and that was their destiny. Well, praise God, those that followed Joshua and Caleb, they entered to the land that was more than enough because they said they could. 
And he said, as you've spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. So their destiny, praise God, was more than enough. So our words determine our destiny. And then number nine, the sword of the Spirit is voice activated. The sword of the Spirit is what? The Word of God. But this Word of God that we have here in our hands doesn't say anything. It's on the written page, right? It's when we get this Word in our heart and our mouth, what good is it to have a sword if we don't know how to use it? Right? So the sword of the Spirit is voice activated. When we speak this Word, put it in our heart, put it in our mouth, and get serious with it and start declaring it and decreeing it. Then we start speaking God's word back to him. And he says, it won't return to me void. It will accomplish what I please. And so it's important for us to recognize and realize we've got to proclaim it. We've got to declare it. We've got to speak it boldly when it comes to circumstances that we encounter in life. And then finally, number 10, what is God hearing from our lips? And we can only answer that for ourselves. What's he hearing from my lips? When you got up this morning, did you say, this is the day the Lord hath made, and I will rejoice, and I will be glad in it. Thank God for making me the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. And this is going to be a day in which I will honor you and glorify you and live to carry out the life mission that you've called me to, Father. And I do believe that your hand is upon me. You'll lead me by your spirit. The spirit of obedience will rest upon me today and every day of my life. Or did you get out of bed and just say, oh. Oh my, just another day. Sunday? Oh, I guess we got to go to church. Not we get to go to church, we got to go to church. There's a big difference. Look at Numbers chapter 14 and verse 28. Let's continue our study this morning. Say unto them, this is God speaking, say unto them, as truly as I live. Wow. Is God alive? Well, then as truly as I live, say, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in mine ears, God hears, so will I do to you. And you know what they said? You brought us out here to die in the wilderness. You brought us out here to take our lives. You brought us out here to deny us the food that we want to eat, the water that we want to drink, etc., 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 etc. And it wasn't automatic. It didn't happen just because they said it one time. But over and over and over and over and over, all throughout their journey, they kept on saying, saying it, and saying it, and saying it, and saying it. When God finally got fed up with them and just said, you're never going to change, are you? You're never going to change. So tell them, as you've spoken in my ears. And listen to this. This is very important. He said, for the signs I showed you, for the wonders I showed you, you saw the ten plagues in Egypt. You saw the cloud by day, the fire by night. You saw the angelic beings separating you from the enemy. You saw the Red Sea part. You saw manna come down from heaven. Water come out of a rock. You saw my miracles, my signs, my wonders. And guess what? They didn't penetrate you enough to believe my word. So when the time came for you just to stand there before the Red Sea and just say, Hmm, okay. God, you did all this other stuff. You did this. And now before the promised land, what's this? Piece of cake. They said, no, we're just grasshoppers. He couldn't get the slavery mentality out of them. He couldn't get them to start saying what the Word said, what God said. You know what he, they should have been saying? 
you said you would send your angel before us and they would go and drive out the inhabitants of the land, the Hittite, the Canaanite, the Amorite, the, all the Jebusites and all the ites that were there. That's what you said. And even though it may look impossible, even though it's unreasonable, my flesh tells me no. My reason tells me no. It's illogical. But I'm going to say I side with the word of God and my God will get me in, praise God. The land that's more than enough belongs to me because you are more than enough to get me in. So as far as I'm concerned, let's go, boys. We're going in. But no, they said, we can't. We're grasshoppers. And anyone that said that they could, they want a stone with stones. So listen, thank God for signs, wonders, and miracles. But they're designed to bring us to a place that we believe God's word. And the time will come we've got to be responsible to act upon God's word, speak God's word, believe God's word. Otherwise, we're not going to get to the land that's more than enough. We'll just settle for just enough. How about you? I want more than enough. I want more than enough. And I thank God for that. Okay. This whole thing, the beauty of Jesus. Jesus taught in one verse of Scripture. Look at it with me. Mark 11, 23. You know we had to get there. For verily, truly, most assuredly, I say unto you. Who's speaking? Jesus. Okay. That whosoever, are you a whosoever this morning? shall what shall what someone says I don't believe in that confession business talk to Jesus whosoever shall what say unto this mountain be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart you gotta say it you can't doubt it but shall believe that God is big enough. That God is more powerful. Shall not down this heart, but shall believe what? What are we to believe? Those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatever God can do. What shall he have? whatever he says whoa that seems pretty wild pretty far out there I was in a committee meeting one time and I was being grilled over this and they told me it's just a play on words he didn't really mean that well then what did he mean what what interpretation can you put on that other than this three times he said say one time he said believe so in other words, we've got to believe what? In what we're saying. You think that's easy? No. It's not that easy. It sounds simple, but it's not easy. I've got to actually believe that my words carry weight, authority, and power. And I've got to believe that that mountain, that obstacle, that situation, that condition, whatever that circumstance might be, I've got to believe the words I'm speaking to it, it must bow to. I've got to believe that. Because I will speak to that mountain and I will say in Jesus' name, you 
cannot defeat me. You cannot stop me from entering into the land that's more than enough. You can't keep me out of my blessing. I know you're going to try. It could be indecision. It could be confusion. It could be a sickness. It could be a disease. It could be a marital situation, a relationship situation, a business situation, a financial situation, whatever it might be. It is an obstacle that stands in our way preventing us from getting into a promised land. It could be the giants. It could be the walled cities. It could be many, many, many different things. And what did he, Jesus say to do? Speak to it. Speak to it. Not even speak to God about it, but speak to it in the name of Jesus. He's trying to help us grow as Christians when it comes to our spiritual growth and development as well. If all we do is walk around and just say, I just can't seem to understand the Bible. I just can't seem, I just not seem not about growing and all that. It seems like the devil's always talking to me about this and I'm a failure and I'm a this and I'm a that. What you speak in his ears is what we get. But when you start saying it before you ever see it materialize, it'll change everything in all of our lives. Amen. And so he wants us to understand this faith law, faith principle, that what we speak is what we get. But we've got to believe it from the heart, and we've got to believe that the enemy or the obstacle or the mountain or the tree must bow. Now notice this. Jesus actually demonstrated how this works. Look in Mark's Gospel, chapter 11. And look at these other verses, verse 12 and 14, 2, 14. And on the morrow, when they were come to, from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered, what? Did the tree say something? Was it some kind of animated tree? Well, basically the tree didn't talk, but it had no figs. So he answers it and says, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. That's all he said. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So basically he cursed the fig tree. He spoke death to the fig tree. And look at verse 20 and 21. 21. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots where you can't see. And Peter calling to remember it, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. So Jesus speaks death or a curse to the fig tree. And what does a fig tree represent? anything. It could be a cancer. It could be a tumor. It could be any situation. It could be unforgiveness or whatever it might be. It's up to us to speak to it and say. It could be a thought that we need to reject. But whatever it might be, we've got to speak death to that thing and just say, I'm not going to entertain you any longer. Okay, so he speaks death to it and what happens? It dies because the word doesn't return void. It accomplishes what he pleases and prospers in the thing where to be sent it. But then he also spoke life. Jesus spoke life. And he told these disciples of his, you think that's something? A fig tree? If I spoke death to it and it died? And remember he said to the sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and planted into the sea and it would obey you. Obey you? Think about that statement. One thing to have the tree cursed and it dies by the root. 
another thing to have it uprooted and then have you ever tried to plant something in the sea with the waves coming and knocking you over be thou planted into the sea and it would what obey you wow how powerful are our words as you have spoken in my ears so will I do to you now he speaks life look at John's gospel chapter 11 verse 4 he also can speak life when Jesus heard that Lazarus was nigh to death this sickness he says is not unto death not unto death but for the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified thereby Jesus puts his words out there words that are powerful words that are impacting words that created the world words that sustain maintain and propel the world that we live in so he spoke those words and said this sickness is not unto death but guess what Lazarus died did he lie Jesus is showing us that words are so powerful that when you believe from your heart and you say it with your mouth and you believe the words that you say will come to pass you will have what you say he says it's not unto death and then go on down the, the same chapter look on verse 41 then took away the stone they, they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, listen to these powerful words. Father, I thank thee that you heard me. Well, what did he hear him say? This sickness is not unto death. Death does not have the final say. Death is not greater than life. No matter how dead the dream appears, how dead the situation looks, how far gone it seems to be, death does not have the final say. And he says, Father, I thank you that you heard me. Remember 1 John 5, 14, 15, it says, Ask anything according to his will, he hears you you and if you know he hears you then you know you have the petition you desired of him in other words I know you heard me look at the next verse and I knew that you hear me always but because of these people that are here which stand by I said it why that they may believe that thou hast sent me and when he had thus spoken he cried with a loud voice notice not softly with a powerful, impacting voice, one that says, I believe you heard me, and I know I have it, and Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, loose him and let him go. So here he shows that faith in the Word of God spoken from a heart that believes that those words spoken will come to pass and nothing can stop it can even raise the dead and life is greater than death and death and life are in the power of the tongue now I realize some wills are turning and people say I know but that's Jesus I'm glad you said that look at Matthew's gospel chapter 17 and verse 20 and he arose that's not the right verse there you go we'll back up to the other one Jesus said to them 
because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing, everybody say nothing. Nothing shall be impossible unto you. So was Jesus saying this is exclusively just for him to use? But what's the key here? He says, you've got to speak to your mountain, not to God about your mountain. Jesus said, you can have what you say, but yet we say what we have. We say, I can't do it. We say the problem's too big. We say, I'm confused. We say, I hurt. We say what we have, but he says, stop saying what you have and start having what you say. Start saying, even though I may not be able to do it in the natural I can do it because I can do all things through Christ who is my strength even though I may feel bad I'm speaking the word in my situation and saying by his stripes I was healed do you see how it works this is what's going to help us grow spiritually and enable us to get into what the land that's more than enough now look at this in Mark's gospel chapter 4 Mark's chapter 4 he arose and rebuked the wind. They're, they were encountering a storm. They're out there on the sea. Jesus said, let us pass over to the other side. Go and pass over to the other side. Jesus is asleep in the back part of the ship on a leather pillow. And how anybody can sleep on a ship that's at sea when it's about to sink and the waters are filling the boat up and all that and the waves are tossing and all that? He must have really been tired. I don't know if he took a sleeping pill or whatever it was, but he was knocked out. Or was he just at such peace that it didn't matter to him what was going on because he already spoke the word. And once he spoke the word, let us pass over the other side, he knew he had to pass over to the other side. And once he let those words go out of his mouth, he knew he wasn't going to drown halfway because he said it. Our words control our destiny. Watch this. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? Really, Lord? These are skilled sailors. The boat is filled with water. It's about to go under. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? If we ever criticized somebody today for having a little faith, well, we'd be hung out to dry. How is it that you have no faith? What does that mean, that statement? You could have done what I, what I just, what I'm about to do. Or what I did. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? What storm are we encountering? What storm are we facing? Are we confused about our future? Are we confused about our destiny? Or are we facing some kind of situation where the waters are rough in a relationship and the list goes on and on this is not just talking about healing it's talking about the full scope of our Christian life and experience it's talking about our marital relationships our relationships with our children our business relationships it's talking about life in general as far as our direction is concerned and the reason why we're living to fulfill a destiny that God has called us to and you see it's all focusing on the words that we speak because what we say carries the most impact in our individual lives. 
It's not what you say about me. It's what I say about me. And if I listen to the lies of Satan who tells me, who do you think you are? You think you can do stuff like this? You're nothing but some short little Italian fella who likes pizza. You've always struggled with low self-esteem for whatever reason. And you know what? As far as I'm concerned, you're a nobody. Why he ever called you to the ministry, I'll never know. You didn't finish your college education, etc., etc., etc. And you might sit back and listen to it for a while. Then you say, God is smarter than you. And God is smarter than I am. And if he called me to do what I'm doing, then praise God, I'm going to do it with the joy in my heart and my soul. I'm going to do it with confidence because I know that he is smarter and greater, praise God. And as far as you're, you're concerned, devil, you've already been defeated. So what have you got to talk about? We know all about your destiny. We know where you're going to spend your eternity. Because you thought you were so smart that you would rebel against God, that you would rise up above the stars and be like the Most High God and command worship of all creation. But guess what? You're falling down and you're going to spend your eternity in a lake of fire. So I know your end. So don't talk about me. If you want to hear me talk about you. Another thing. Point two. Angel. Here's why these things work. Angels respond to the spoken word of God. When we speak the word of God, they respond. Look at the book of Psalms and chapter 103 and verse 20. Bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength. Now we believe that, don't we? That do his commandments hearkening unto the voice of his word. Our television broadcast used to be called the voice of his word. Well, once again, we thank God for the Word of God, but who gives voice to the Word of God? Now, the, there'll, be, there'll be some that will say, well, he's talking about the angels that are around a throne. And when they're around a throne and God tells them to do something like a messenger angel, then they'll go and do whatever he tells them to do. You know, you've got these three powerful, we talked about on Wednesday night, you've got these three main big cheese archangels in glory in the very beginning. We see Gabriel, who is the what? Communications director. He's like the Ryan Seacrest of heaven. Uh, then you've got Michael. He's what? He's the warrior angel. He's like the rock, Dwayne Johnson. But then you've got Lucifer. Lucifer. Oh, the bright, the morning star. You've got Lucifer. So decked out. And what's his responsibility? He is the worship leader in all of heaven. He's in a place of intimacy with God where he is leading all of creation in the worship of God until self-generated pride enter into his beings. And as that pride entered his being, he started to use the law of faith against God. And he said, I will, I will, I will. He spoke believing that he could overthrow God by the words that he would speak but he failed to realize this. These laws operate within the boundaries that God placed us in. When you step out beyond those boundaries like he did and start saying some things that violate 
the plan of God? All of a sudden now, that's what you said. But I'm telling you, you're going to be brought down, cast out, removed. And that's what happened to him. Because you see, he stepped beyond the boundaries. These laws, these spiritual laws in faith have boundaries. You can't act in foolishness and presumption and think that God's going to honor that. But when you operate within the parameters of the Word of God, we can expect God to honor the words that we speak because He told us to use our authority, did He not? Now, obviously, Lucifer was jealous, wasn't he? So can you imagine him with all that jelly on his face? <laughs> Wondering, I wonder who took my place as the worship leader of heaven. Well, it couldn't have been Gabriel because he's too busy giving messages. It could have been uh, Michael. Why? Because he's too busy fighting off the enemies. So he made you. And he created me. And says, come before my throne. Offer the sacrifice of praise. Hallelujah. No wonder he hates it when we worship God. He can't stand it. He's so jealous over that. Because we can enter the holiest throne of God. Look at Daniel chapter 10 and verse 12. For those that say, it's only those angels around the throne when God says something. That's not what the Bible says. Daniel sought the face of God. He wanted to know what was going to take place in the future. So he seeks the face of God through fasting and prayer for 21 days, a partial fast. Then an angel came to him. I'm assuming it's Gabriel. Then said unto him, he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand, to chasten thyself before God through fasting and prayer. Thy words were heard. And I am come for your words. As thou hast spoken, so will I do to you. In other words, if you can picture this, Daniel's words ascended on high from the moment they left his lips. And as they ascended up on high before the throne of God, then God sees himself in his word. He dispatches angels. They're dispatched to go and do his bidding and take the message, so I'm assuming that it was Gabriel, down to Daniel and tell Daniel what I want him to know. But in the process of coming into this atmosphere, up there in the atmospheric heavens, what happens is he is stopped by the prince of Persia who delays the message. If you're thing you're believing God for is ever delayed, picture this, begin to see this. There's an enemy out there that wants to stop it from materializing. He'll do his best to see to it that he keeps the obstacles in our way. But because of the delay, Daniel stayed in faith. And because he stayed in faith, Michael was dispatched. Okay, Michael, get on down there and help Gabe out. He goes and helps Gabriel out. And then he says, go ahead, Gabriel, take in the message. So after 21 days, he receives it and he says to him, I just want you to know I came for your words and I heard your words from the very first moment they lift your lips. But I was stopped by this prince of Persia. But Dan Michael came to help me and now I've come to answer. And here I am. That should help us hold fast to our confession of faith. Hold fast to what you're believing God for. Hold fast knowing that God is at work even though you may not see it immediately. God is at work because your words are out there working for you. And angels have been dispatched to see to it that they bring it to pass. Look at Psalm 91 and verse 4. Uh, this, this, this will help us even understand in, in everyday life how these things work. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall thy, be thy shield and buckler. 
He went on to say that he'll give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. But I'm bringing this out because there was a woman that left a church service in the evening time in a city. And when she left the service as she was walking home, she was attacked by somebody from behind. He threw her into a dark corner of the alley. And of course, he had no good, no good intentions on his mind whatsoever. And in that place, all of a sudden, she was at the beginning starting to panic. And all she could remember from the sermon was, He will cover you with his feathers, and under your wings shall you trust. Shall he trust? And so she screamed out, Feathers! Feathers! And the moment those words left her lips, the attacker was startled and ran out the alley and forsook her and left her. And she was delivered because she spoke out. We don't even have to know the whole scripture. <laughs> when I remind you, Brother Chuck and I were back in that alley up in the Philippines, up in Manila, you know, and 10 individuals with no good intentions whatsoever surrounding us, and they heard the name of Jesus, and they fled and took us to the hotel. Now, do you suppose they may have seen angels on assignment? I would think that in both cases they saw angels and that's what caused them to fear and run. So you see we've got to believe in the power of the spoken Word of God. We've got to believe that angels are dispatched when we proclaim the Word of God to see to it that that Word comes to pass because God can't lie. But we've got to believe it with all the heart and we can't give up on it. Look in the book of Exodus chapter 23 because it's important for us to know that angels can also be frustrated with us. They can be provoked, highly annoyed, and become angry. Okay, see, I am sending an angel before you to protect you on your journey and lead you safely to the place I have prepared for you. This is under the leadership of Moses. And look, there's an angel going to go before you. So pay close attention. This is from the New Living Translation. To him and obey his instructions. Do not rebel against him, for he is my representative. And he will not forgive your rebellion. But if you are careful to obey him, following all my instructions, then I will be an enemy to your enemies. And I will oppose those that oppose you. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Termites, so you may live there. They're just as annoying, wouldn't you say? Sometimes even more so. And I will destroy and I will destroy them how? Completely. Completely. Oh my. He told them, You are not alone. I don't know what you're going through. You don't know what I'm going through. But I can tell you this I know we're not alone. I know we're not alone. And when we start giving voice to the Word of God, we are dispatching from heaven holy angels. We are getting involved in our situation. Gabriel, Michael the archangel, and praise God. We know the power of God, the Spirit of God, the anointing of God, the glory of God is manifesting itself to see to it that the Word of God that we are proclaiming and decreeing will materialize and come to pass in our lives. But we have got to believe it from the heart and we've got to say it with the mouth, with authority, like we believe it, like we know it to be true. Hallelujah. All right. Look at this 
Luke's gospel, chapter 1, because this, is, this, is, this shows us that an, an angel can be annoyed. So let me ask you a question before I even read it. Are you annoying your angel this morning? Are you frustrating your angel? Or are you getting him ready to do some of uh, your bidding? Because they're ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who are the heirs of salvation. Are you an heir of salvation? An heir of promise? Sure. Sure we all are. And when we speak the word of God over a situation, we know our angels will go before us. Here's Zacharias. You've got to understand, he's a priest. And he's, this is his time of ministry. And he's ministering in the temple. It's a high honor to do what he's doing right now. And as he's ministering day in and day out and day in and day out and day in and day out and day in and day out. And, and his wife is well. All of a sudden, as he's in there, the angel comes and says to him, You, Zacharias, and your wife Elizabeth are going to bear a son. His name's going to be called John. He's going to do this. He's going to be the forerunner of the Christ. And he's going to lead your people back to repentance, etc., 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 etc. He's a forerunner of Christ. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Well, whereby shall I know this? For I'm an old man, my wife well stricken in years. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And the angel answering said to him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because you believe not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. When an angel has a message to give to us, the Bible says that our transgression will not be forgotten. Every transgression will receive a just recompense of reward. Now, did you notice he didn't give him a broken ankle? Or a broken arm? Wrist? Notice he didn't knock him in the head and give him a black eye? What did he target? What did he attack? the tongue he attacks the tongue of Zacharias because we let this guy speak he's going to mess up the whole deal mess up the whole plan we got to silence him and get him to stop talking so then he comes out what's the child's name going to be not Zach Jr no 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 John what? Man, there's nobody in your family named John. What are you talking about? You're going to name him John. What's his name going to be? Come on, be serious. John. And when John was born and named John, he could speak again. If that doesn't speak volumes to us, I don't know what does. Look at Acts chapter 27 because this is the flip side of that. Whew. Man, I don't know about you, but this is, this is what it's all about. Hallelujah. I could just, just go back and just rewind and see my life as, as because of this message, what it's done in my life. Here we have another situation. Now we have Paul out on a ship. And this terrible, perfect storm emerges. And they're out there. Days, they're out there. There's no hope for survival whatsoever. They know. They're skilled sailors. And they know they're going down. That's all there is to it. Paul told them not to leave because he perceived there would be much harm and damage to the ship and all their lives as well. But they wouldn't listen to him because he's just a preacher. 
he's a professional he's a technician and all that right so they're not going to listen to him so they set sail because it was calm during that time but now that this perfect storm has come they are going to die that's all there is the end of it all here's your destiny right here but after long abstinence Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said sirs basically he said I told you so you should have hearkened unto me and not loose from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss and now I exhort you to be of good cheer <laughs> they're about to go under for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship for there stood by me this night the angel of God why do you think he showed up you think that Paul was not praying on that ship knowing that their lives were in peril and he was praying speaking the word whose I am and whom I serve saying whenever an angel appears they always say these first two words fear not because they know how vulnerable we are to fear Paul for thou must be brought before Caesar in other words you've got an appointment you can't drown you can't go under with a ship you made an appointment on your schedule you've got to be there and lo, God has given thee all them that sell with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. And here's the thing about this. When he said that, he knew the angel said it. He knew all 276 lives would be spared if they listened and did what he was told to tell them to do. But it did not happen instantaneously by him saying, peace be still. They had to weather the storm. And in the process of weathering the storm, he still maintained and held fast his confession of faith and said, it shall be even as it was spoken to me. It doesn't look like it, Paul. It shall be even as it was spoken to me. It doesn't feel like it, Paul. It shall be even as it was spoken to me. What was written, what was spoken, what was said. God's not a man. God, he's not going to lie. If he said it, he'll do it. He'll, he'll make it good. But look, there's water coming in the boat, Paul. It does not matter. Let's throw down the ships, the small, the small little boat so we can get out of here. He said, if you do it, you'll die. They cut the ropes from off the boat. You've got to listen to me. Not one hair on your head's going to be hurt. If you will listen and believe. And you know this end of the story. They all listen, not to logic, not to reason, not to feelings, not to emotions, but to the word that seemed illogical and unreasonable. And they all lived. Every one of them survived. So our angel can be provoked, or they can assist us if we continue to speak and proclaim the word as we've been instructed to. This is why these things work. And I can give you stories of angels, praise God. Uh, let's look at this next one here. Um, our speaking can deliver and heal. In Mark's gospel, and I want to bring this out real quick, and I, we don't have time probably to do the rest of it, but um, because when it comes even to healing and our health and our lifespan and everything else and our destiny, oh my, it, this, these things are so, so very much important. Our words really unleash the miracle working power of God. And I, I realize it's hard for us to even to think this way. But when we read words, scriptures like, my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. The way I think is far higher than the way you think. And my ways are much higher than your ways. Do those mean, words mean anything to us? Because you know why? We would not do that. 
you wouldn't look at your body and say, function like you ought to. Liver, live. Kidneys, function. Heart, get better. Arthur, leave. Pack your bags. Don't want you, don't need you, don't like you. Out. In Jesus' name. Look at these uh, verses. 7, 26 to 29. The Syrophoenician woman had a daughter who was possessed of a devil. And you can't even begin to imagine what she was experiencing. She was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation. She besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the, the children first be filled. It's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. She answered and said unto him, yes, Lord. Yet the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Anybody have a dog? Raise your hand if you have a dog. Keep it up if your dog doesn't eat the crumbs that fall from the table. I don't see any hands going. And he said unto her, Because it's God's will. No. What does he say to her? For this saying, the, Go thy way. The devil is gone out of your daughter. Why is the devil going out of the daughter? For what she said. For what she said. What are we saying? How impacting are the words that we speak? Can we do one more real quick? Someone will give me five minutes. That's 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. <laughs> 55 over here. All right, we'll do this point four, then we'll stop right there. All right. Speaking God's word affects our destiny. Look at Matthew chapter 12, because if there's any expert on words, it has to be Jesus. He is the word made flesh who dwelt among us. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Either make the tree good, that's your heart, and his fruit good, that's your words, or else make the tree corrupt, and its fruit corrupt. For a tree is known by its fruit. O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil with an evil heart, speak, you see it's, it's heart and words, speak good things. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure or deposits of his heart will bring forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart will bring forth evil things. But I say unto you that half of your idle words... That scares me. Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. Oh my goodness, what is Jesus teaching us? A lot. He's teaching us a lot about what we believe in the heart and say with the mouth. What's abundant in the heart will come out of the mouth. And what we've got to do is retrain our heart. 
discipline our heart, discipline our tongue. Why? Because we're not trained when we first get saved correctly. We still speak of the old life that we had before coming to Christ. So in other words, he is saying our words determine our destiny. In Romans 10, 8 through 10, when it comes to our final destination, where we're going to spend our eternity, you realize that where we spend eternity is based on words, our words, based on what we believe and based on what we say. We are trusting words for our eternal destination and destiny. The destiny is a trip along the way. The destination is where you're going to end up finally. Notice what it says here. The way you and I reach heaven is not by our works. But the way you and I reach heaven is by the words that we speak and what we believe in our heart. But what saith it? The word is near you even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes to righteousness and with the mouth he confesses unto salvation. Someone says, I don't believe in that confession business. It got you saved. It got you born again. That's the only way it's going to prevent you from going to a lake of fire. So if that, the most important thing you and I will ever encounter is based on what we believe in the heart and what we say with the mouth, all this other stuff is less. It's not as important. Really, it's important to get healed. We, I know you don't want to get healed. We all want to get healed and stay healthy, right? But it's not the most important. Because the most important, we're going to spend eternity. And that's all left of what you believe and what you say. What I believe and what I say. And so, the word to save is in you. The word to heal is in you. See, it's all there. And I, I want to close with this here. Uh, look at this verse. I'm going to need my extra half an hour. but I'm gonna, Psalm 17, verse 3. This is from the International Standard Version. When you probe my heart and examine me at night, when you refine me, you will find nothing wrong. For I have determined that I will not transgress with my mouth. If we're serious about our destiny, then we're going to discipline our tongue, our mouth, our lips to say right things. We're going to do that. And instead of saying, I just don't know what God wants me to do. I just can't understand His plan for my life. And I know that's not easy to figure out. I struggled with that when I first went off to college. And I was only 17 when I began my first year of college. And I had no clue, no idea what I wanted. And, and that's true for anyone. But you know what? No one ever taught me to say, He guides me with His eye. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. The Holy Spirit will guide me to all the truth and speak to me with the ears of Father. He will show me things to come. Oh, thank you, Father, for the Holy Ghost who is leading me, directing me, guiding me, enlightening me. And I'm going to walk in what I know to do, and I know that it's going to unfold before my life as to what you want me specifically to do with my life. And as you start speaking those words like that, praise God. You see, that is what sets everything in motion. A thought becomes a word. The word you speak becomes an action. The action becomes a habit. The habit becomes a character. The character becomes a destiny. And that's the process. That's how it works. It starts with thought. You realize adultery never started with the act. It starts with the thought. Murder never stops, starts with the act. It starts with the thought. Revenge 
unforgiveness, a thought, do this, do that, robbery, I'm going to rob this bank, starts with a thought. It doesn't start with a robbery, with a thought. Then spoke, spoken, you speak it out. And before you know it, you do it, you follow through. That's how it works. I want to close with this testimony from, I don't know if you have Brother Norval Hayes' book, because I know when I started this message, someone's life's going to be spared. I know that. And I want, to listen, I want us all to hear this because, hey, these things are put out there for us. Why reinvent the will? I want you to hear how this woman was healed of cancer by following the principles you just heard today. So bear with me and listen as we close out our service before we worship the Lord. The secretary of this businessman, a friend of his, was given a death sentence. She was operated on as many times as they could for cancer. She was nothing but skin and bones, completely bald, skin and bones, and sent home to die. The businessman asked Brother Norville, can you, what do you say? Does she have to die? And he said, no, she doesn't have to die. But I need to talk to her. So she came over to the, her boss's house, and he met them over there at the house. And he begins to tell her, and this is what he says, you don't have to die. Get that straight. You can live and not die, but unless you do what Jesus said to do, you will die. The doctors were telling the woman the truth. From the natural standpoint, if she left the cancer alone, she would die. But if she obeyed the instructions of the Lord, she would live. I told my friend's secretary, I'm going to teach you what Jesus says. You're born again. Yes, I am. Now, I'm teaching you. I'm an instructor. I'm not going to be the one to heal you. It's God that's going to heal you. Here's what I told her. Jesus said in Matthew 21, 21, talk to the mountain. Talk to the mountain. What's your mountain? We've got to do things God's way, not our way. Now, the mountain means the problem. The situation was cancer. You've got to say to the mountain, not to God, say to the mountain. In the name of Jesus, curse the cancer and command it to stop, command it to die, bind it, because the scripture says in Matthew, what you bind will be bound. What you loose will be loosed. So bind it, command that it stop, and say with your mouth, cancer, you cannot destroy my life, you cannot kill me in Jesus' name. Remember, when you say, no, you can't, the devil can't. He's got to flee because you're resisting him. You are going to have some responsibility in getting healed or getting any mountain out of your life. This is where your mouth comes in and begins to work. Jesus said, if you say to the mountain, in other words, you're going to have to talk to it. When I first taught this sick, dying woman to confess her healing, she would confess a little weakly, cancer, you can't heal me. I said to her, honey, that won't work. You got to say it strong. You may have to walk the floor every day saying loudly, in Jesus' name, cancer, or whatever amount it is in your life, you'll never kill me. I'm talking to you. I'm telling you now, get out of my body. Get out of my life. Disappear now. Get totally out. You'll have no part of me because Jesus is my healer. Jesus come, becomes what you say He is. Remember, you have to confess Jesus as your healer. And don't let the devil talk you out of it. Always confess it boldly. He will become your healer. That's what Jesus always does. Every day of your life, He becomes what you say He is. Is He your Alpha Omega? Is He the beginning and the end? Is He the first and last? Is He ever in between? Is He Savior? Is He your healer? Is He your miracle worker? Is He your surgeon? Is He your life giver? Etc. Etc. Is He your lover? Say it. Boldly proclaim it. I worked that and taught that secretary all these things that I've written here. Like a broken record, I went over it again and again. 
I had to make sure she got it. I told her, I'm not going to let you die, honey. You're too willing to die, and there's no use in it. So just give me your hand, and let's walk and confess. We confessed and confessed. I made her promise that she would do what Jesus said to do. I warned her, if you don't do what Jesus said, you're going to die. Do you understand that? And she said, I understand. And she confessed and she confessed and she confessed and she confessed and confessed and confessed. You can't kill me. You can't take my life. You have no power over me. As far as I'm concerned, you're out of my life. You've stopped working. You're abound in Jesus' name and I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord created meat on those bones, those long bony arms. God manifested cancer curing power in her body and she lived. She then attended a meeting and, and stood before the congregation and said what had happened. She said that she followed what I taught her every day, almost 24 hours a day, over and over. She told cancer it would be uprooted and removed from her body. The very seed, the very core, the very root of it had to dry up and leave her body. She read the Gospels again and again. She wrote down all the scriptures that pertain to healing. She clung to God's Word, confessing that it was sure that it, it would stand forever. All this time she was a mess. Now listen to the challenge. And the devil would hound her all the time saying, You are a dying lady, scrawny and bald. But you know what she told him? Devil, Jesus has come to give me life and that more abundantly. And according to 1 Peter 2.24, By his stripes I'm healed. He bore my sickness. He carried my pains. And I'm healed. And I will live and not die. And declare the works of the Lord. And she was completely, totally healed from death's door. Because she proclaimed the word of God. And confessed it. As you have spoken in my ears, so will I do. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God, toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and I'll accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.